Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. In this episode, our guest is Marianne Otley. She has a powerful story of sexual abuse, addiction, and the healing power of Jesus. Her abuse planted seeds of lies about her identity that she carried for decades. But she also eventually experienced the radical grace and love of God. If you or someone you love has faced the pain of abuse or addiction, Mary Ann's story and insights will help you discover hope, joy, and the faithful, generous, gentle love of Jesus Christ. You don't have to live in shame, guilt, and despair. No matter how broken you feel, you can be made whole. Learn more about Mary Ann and her ministry at lovetriumphs.com. For more resources, visit BeBroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now, here's our conversation with Marianne. Well, all right. Marianne Otley, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so you have um, you've written a book uh, called Love Triumphs. You actually have a ministry named Love Triumphs. Yes. And what I would love for us to do today is I'd love for you to share with us your story and kind of how you got to this space of writing a book, having a ministry, um, especially for women who have um, dealt with some serious traumas and abuse in their history. Um, we would love to hear your own story and then I'd love to dig into some insights that you've gained along the way that might be helpful to other other ladies that are listening. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I I just started out like any kid. I around 13 years old, I was babysitting, going to school, having fun with friends. And um, in the, the summer between my eighth and ninth grade year, looking forward to going to high school, I was sexually abused by three different people. And it, they weren't connected. And um, one of the abusers was my dad, which was a, a major upset in my life. Um, the second one was my dentist, which was totally um, unexpected, huge trauma for a 13-year-old, and then a neighborhood boy. And so um, I left that summer really believing that I was causing these things to happen. There was something wrong with me. And the um, it really it was really like just living life normal one day and the next day being in a twilight zone that the floor just came out from underneath me. I didn't know who to trust. I didn't know who to love. I didn't feel lovable. And the night that my dad came in the very first night, um, when he left, I heard a voice say to me, you must really be bad for something like this to happen to you. And I thought, well, the only person that saw this happen was God. So if God thinks I'm bad, then I've got to be bad. And I lived with that identity that I was bad um, until, um, until, as the book explains, I, I get to be, God helps me understand the truth. So, um, so what that meant is that I lived with an, an incredible amount of guilt and shame, um, I, a lot of secrets you know, a lot of hidden feelings, things I didn't share. I didn't share about the abuse until I absolutely had to. Never shared about my dentist until I was in my 30s. Uh, I'm 63 now. So it was um, a lot of secrets, a lot of shame. And then um, 
I really, because I was bad, I felt like I, I would never have anybody good in my life. There would never be a good man that would love me. So my selection of men were always really abusive and disrespectful, dishonoring. Um, and that led me to making choices about um, alcohol abuse. I used to drink myself to sleep to dull the pain. I smoked two packs of marble lights a day. Um, I uh, had a co weekend cocaine habit. Every, everything I could do to get into the world to get the pain relieved. Um, and I, I was in counseling from the time I was 18 uh, to the time I was 33 when I had an encounter with God. And what I found is that in counseling, you can, you can have some good counselors, you can have some bad, and you can have people that can help you cope. They can help you uh, learn new behaviors. They can help you move forward. But only Jesus can heal you. He's the only one that can reach back in your past and touch the pain. He's the only one that can help you be content in the present and then give you hope for the future. And how that happened is that um, I had had like uh, the last straw when I was 32, just the last straw moment. And, um, and I really felt like just leaving the planet. And I, I screamed out to the sky, what in the hell is real? What's important? What's the truth? And this prayer began bubbling up from the inside of me, um, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. I'm like, I do not want this. I don't want a father. I don't want a kingdom. I don't know what Hollywood means. I just want someone to tell me the truth. I want to know how to live. I don't, I don't know how to live. I want someone to help me. And that prayer just kept bubbling up. And so I couldn't help but keep praying it. And then within um, a matter of days, I was starting a new job and met a person at the job that um, within a matter of months um, became a friend. And at a dinner after work one time, that friend said, hey, what are your thoughts about God? And I'm like, God, I guess there's a God. I guess everything had to come from somewhere. He said, well, I'd love to know what you think about Jesus. And I'm like, oh, no, not Jesus. I said, listen, when I was a little girl, I tried Jesus, but Jesus just doesn't work. And he didn't bat an eye. He just looked at me and said, oh, love doesn't work for you. And I'm like, well, what does Jesus have to do with love? And he's like, well, Marianne, you can research the whole world and you can search every religion. And you'll never find a God that came to the planet, became a man suffered trauma, abuse, suffered rejection, um, was nailed to a cross, naked, hung to die, just to redeem those very people back to himself. He has everything to do with love. And I don't know who hurt you, but it wasn't him. And when he mm -hmm. said that, he, it was a Holy Spirit moment because I'm like, okay, well, then I have a couple questions because there's some pretty traumatic things that have happened in my life that I've never been able to understand. And I don't know why he let them happen. And he said, we let people choose. And so very wounded, hurt, lost people hurt you. But Jesus didn't hurt you. He's the only source of healing you have. And if you run from him, you're running from the only healing you can, you're going to get. And I'm like, okay, I'll try him. And I began um, the process of learning about Jesus. And that man's now my husband, and we have been married for oh, wow. 27 years, and we have three beautiful children and a daughter-in-law. But what happened is that 
um, I did fall in love with him and I, I did, I was interested in Jesus, but I had so many disappointments in my life that I was afraid to jump in. I was afraid to believe in something, trust something that was going to hurt me again. And so Tom and I got married. We had our son, Tommy, he's taking a nap. And every Sunday we go to church and every Sunday I'm worshiping Jesus with all my heart. On Wednesday, I'm thinking, wait a minute, is this real? Can a man be God? And then Sunday again, I'm worshiping Jesus with all my heart. And then Wednesday, I'm like, this is just a business. This can't be real. So finally, um, I had a meltdown and a, a private rant with God while I'm cleaning burnt macaroni and cheese off of a pan and like, I can't take this anymore. I can't take waffling. I've got to know. And you've really set this up hard. It, it, it's almost cruel that all I have to do is trust you and everything's going to be okay. But I trusted people and I was hurt. So I have an idea. If you would just tell me you're God, then I would believe you. It, 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 I would believe you forever. So my son comes down from his nap and he pulls on my pant leg. He's two and a half years old. And he said, mommy, mommy, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And I got on my knees and, and asked Tommy, what did you just say? And he said, mommy, Jesus is God. We were swinging and our swings were connected and they went all the way up to the sky. And there were angels all around us and the Holy Spirit pushed us. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a miracle. And he's two and a half and he's articulating this. And I'm like, Tommy, what did he look like? And he said, oh, mommy, Jesus is a light. And I said, what did he say to you? And he said, nothing. We just laughed. And he said, but I didn't want him to go. And I was like, well, what happened, honey? He said, I woke up. So while I had this rant, he gave my son this beautiful dream that helped me believe mm -hmm. him. And so from that time on, I got on my knees, and I still do today. <laughs> and I said, would you please come to me like you came to Tommy? I have to know a Jesus that swings with children. I have to know a God that makes them laugh. And so um, that began my uh, intimate relationship with God, where he began coming to me. Um, and, um, and at first he came to me and told me to be humble. And I'm like, I can't do that. I don't even know where to start. And then um, later he came to me in the middle of the night when I was really dry and um, tired and weary. And he said, let me in. And I'm like, I already let you in. And as soon as I said that, I knew there were places in my heart I hadn't let anybody in. And I told him, I can't let you in here. It's, it's too dark. I mean, there are roaches in there. And I seriously, you're so pure. If you went in that part of my heart, I don't think you'd come out the same. And he said, no, I know what's in there. there. There's no other way. I have to go in. And I told him, I don't know how to let you in there. And then he was gone. And so I, I, um, I closed my eyes and, and started to pray again. And I was in that place. I was in that prison. I was in that, I was in my heart, the dark places of my heart, uh, the shame, the guilt, the areas of my life that I just felt like I was not valuable enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm, I'm not ever enough there. And, um, and I thought, oh my goodness, there's no door here. I don't even know how to get out of this place. And um, it was all a vision, but at the top of the cell, I saw a window 
And I followed the light from the window down to the floor of the cell. And there he was. He was dressed in white with a scrub brush and a bucket on his hands and knees, washing my heart. And everywhere he washed, there was light. And I just became this embodiment of light. And I thought, okay, if the king of the universe can go in a place like that and clean me so humbly, I want to be humble and I want to be yours forever. And um, that began my really search for learning more about intercession. How do I get close to you? How do I abide in you? I I don't know how I want to, but I don't know how. And in the midst of that, um, years later, we're talking maybe even a decade, um, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm feeling like my, I'm asking my husband, don't touch me. You just stop touching me. You know, he he touches me in the middle of the night. Stop touching me. You can't touch me. Leave me alone. Why are you doing this? He's like, I love you. You're my wife. (laughs) I want to touch you everywhere. Like, no, we can't do this anymore. And um, the abuse began to come up that I had never Mm. really dealt with. And so I told him, I'm exhausted and I don't know what's happening, but I know I need help. And we began to pray and God brought this amazing missionary into our lives named Elsie. Um, she had rheumatoid arthritis. She couldn't even button her, her, her shirt. She was in her 70s at the time, and she was the most powerful intercessor I have ever met. And um, long story short, she started praying with me. And in our prayers, um, we went to a conference where the teaching was how fathers are supposed to bless their children's identity, that the father's responsibility is to help the daughter and the son know that they're valuable, uh, that they're loved, Mm -hmm. that they're safe, they're protected. And when that doesn't happen, we go out and try to do that ourselves. And we're not equipped when we're young. We don't have the framework. We don't have the life experiences to know. So we find ourselves in all these uh, terrible positions, terrible places, listening to all the wrong messaging. And that was my story, right? And I was just sobbing during this training. And um, we broke into prayer groups, and she was my intercessor. And she said, sweetheart, it looks like God is highlighting some things for you. And I said, I don't know why, but I can't stop crying. And she said, well, what are you feeling? And I said, I'm feeling like I'm in trouble. I feel like I'm, mm. I'm, my mom is going to be really mad at me. Here, I'm in my 50s at that time. I feel like um, I feel a lot of guilt and shame, condemnation. Um, and she said, well, uh, may I hold your hands? And she held my hand and she said, let's pray. And she said, Lord, Marianne is feeling like she's in trouble and she's afraid her mom is going to be mad and she's, she's feeling a lot of guilt and shame. And what do you want Marianne to know? And what was amazing about Elsie is that she didn't diagnose me and she didn't prescribe a solution she literally just listened to how I was feeling and she told God how I was feeling. And I felt so validated. I felt understood for the first time. And I was really curious what God was going to do with all that. And um, she said, so Lord Jesus, what do you want Marianne to know about why she's feeling this right now? And immediately I was in my memory of the first night that my dad had come into the bedroom that night. And um, I said, I cannot go back here. There's just no way. Um, every time people want me to go back here, it just gets worse and I can't do it. She held my hands and she looked me straight in the eye and she said, honey, 
let's let Jesus do the work this time. And I was really intrigued by that. And I said, okay, okay, I, I, I we've opened this can of worms. Let's, let's go, let's walk through it. And so she said, Lord, what do you want Marianne to know about this night? So again, I'm back in the memory. I close my eyes and I'm back in that room. And all of a sudden, Jesus is in the room. And the room is filled with light. And I'm like, Jesus is in the room. She said, that's right. And, um, and then I'm aware that someone else is in the room. And I told Elsie with my eyes closed, someone else is in this room. And I looked over to the left and standing like guard over my dad was a nine foot wasp-like roach-like demon. And this demon was so putrid, so vile, so ugly, so evil that if I, if I stayed looking at him, I would vomit. And I said, there's a demon in the room and he's behind my dad. And it was clearly clear to me that he was very possessive and territorial. And, um, and he had been influencing my dad. And um, she said, okay. And she didn't, she didn't, it wasn't moving her at all. She said, Jesus, what do you want to do with that demon, that roach-like wasp-like demon? And I thought, he's going to have Jesus for lunch. And Jesus just stepped over and had a push pin in his hand. And he poked that demon in the center of its being. And he pinned him to the wall. And I told Elsie, Jesus just pinned that demon to the wall. And she said, that's where he will stay. And then Jesus looked at me and said, he'll never torment you again. And I've never been tormented like I was tormented uh, ever. Like, no dreams in that way. I mean, not that I've never had a bad dream again. But he was literally pinned to the wall. So then Elsie said to my dad, to me, um, to ask Jesus, who is my dad to him? And so I said, Lord, who is, who is dad to you? And he didn't answer me. He just looked at my dad. And when I saw the love that he had for my dad, it was, it was other than any love I'd ever seen. And so I told Elsie, he loves my dad. And she said, ask him again, who is your dad to him? And I said, Lord, who is dad to you? And Jesus looked at me straight in the eye, unashamedly, and said, he's my son. And I started to cry. I thought, oh, my goodness, um, dad's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, how is this going to work? Um, and then she said, um, Lord, who's Marianne to you? And... Um, I asked him, Lord, who am I to you? And I thought, I remember that night when dad came into my room and you said I was bad. So I don't know that I can hear that again. And he walked over to me and he had this beautiful white gown and he put it upon me like a little girl. And he put this crown on my head that's still there today. He put a ring on my finger, sandals on my feet, and he took my arms and he said, who are you? Who are you? Well, you're my princess. And all that shame and guilt and condemnation and the lies that I was bad, I just sobbed like for 30 minutes and they were just washed away and it's still in his presence, still under that light and the glory and the love of God. And, um, and I knew then that my purpose was to help women who've been abused to meet this Jesus. <laughs> This Jesus that can transform your identity in a nanosecond, right, with his presence and his love. 
And so just quickly to kind of share the, the triumph part of my story is that um, a decade later, um, my dad was very sick and I was able to pray with him. And he, he, um, he was sick about his past and he talked to Jesus about it. Jesus had forgiven him. And I said to dad in his, be- in his hospital bed, dad, ask him, who are you to him? And, uh, and he cried and said, he said, I'm his son. And so the beauty is that the transformation and the redemption that, that God gave both of us was um, miraculous. And that's mm-hmm. why I want to tell my story is because he loves all of us. He loves, he loves those of us who've been traumatized and, and being abused. And he loves those who have been the abuser. He wants all of us to come back to him. And I don't know any other way to do that but to experience his love. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is a really powerful story, and uh, I think I'm I'm just already sensing that so many uh, women are going to be able to connect with this. Uh, maybe not every detail, in the sense that uh, you know, obviously, you've walked your journey. Yes, but I have a lot of questions that I think have come out of this. One is, um, you know, you talked a lot about the 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 shame and the guilt that really was was birthed with that false declaration over you that you're a bad girl you're bad right yes something is 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 bad um and and that's something that you carried for many many years now one of the things i think that a lot of people have questions of when they hear of even when they hear of an amazing story of redemption um, and even not only restoration between you and God, but ultimately then even between you and your father. I mean, these amazing things. But I think sometimes we forget and sometimes where people have trouble is there's a, a lot of years yes. where you were carrying those things without Jesus. Decades. Yeah. How do you, what would you say to those who are saying, listen, I, I don't know. I mean, when I think of a young girl being abused, there's absolutely nothing of any redemptive quality that I could see coming out of that at all. And why would God allow for those many years to carry all of that shame and guilt? Mm -hmm. How do you respond to women who are feeling those types of feelings? I can speak from my own uh, experience. And then, of course, I have decades of praying with women now. And um, I can say confident for me is that I, I wasn't ready to get God's help. Um, I wanted to find my answers in the world. I wanted to live in the billboards where people were laughing and drinking and talking. Uh, and, and I wanted to live a life that I thought was going to give me happiness. I wanted money. I wanted, I wanted things that I thought would make me um, somehow immune to the, the shame, the guilt, the pain in my chest that I couldn't get rid of. Um, and so it wasn't until I had a breaking point that I started saying, okay, what's true? I've got to know. And that, that seems to be recurrent is that, um, is that when, when we finally are ready to allow God to help us, he's right there. I mean, he, he is, he's right on it and he is ready to help us. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that. I noticed also that when you were. T- oh, no, please go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, please go ahead. I think you go. (laughs) I think you're the guest. (laughs) So I think when when you're in the middle of the of of just feeling horrible, you know, you're depressed, 
You don't feel like there's a way up. You feel like it's all up to you. Um, you feel like you need others' help, but you don't want others' help. Um, all these lies that um, you have to fix it, and there is no other way. No matter what you're dealing with, if you've got six kids and you're you have no money and you're living in the car, you, 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 it just the the lie is that it's up to you. Um, the thing is, 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 is I would recommend at that moment say, God, if you're real, help me. If you're real, help me. Because mm -hmm. that's really where I started. Is if you're real, help me. If you're real, show me. Yeah. And he is all too. He's not offended by that. He's all to say, I'm real, and I've been waiting, you know, I've been waiting to help you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you also mentioned in your story, which I think is is really uh, transparent and real, and I think it's good for people to hear, is you almost mentioned that there were sort of these seasons of kind of progressive healing, that some things happened maybe in an instant, in the sense of when you really had an encounter with the Lord for the first time and you felt this, the Holy Spirit doing some things in your life. But then you talk about many years later of kind of a reopening of memories. And, and one of the things that came into my mind was I, it made me think of when, uh, when Jesus healed one particular blind man and it happened in phases. It wasn't like the instantaneous, you know, he put yes. mud on his eyes. And he's like, well, I, I see some, you know, like trees walking around. And then there was a next phase of healing can you talk, is that fairly common with a lot of women that are trying to come out of abuse, <laughs> even in their spiritual walk? And, and, and how do you help women navigate that? Because that would seem very scary to me to think that healing can't just, doesn't necessarily just all happen at once. Right. Absolutely. Um, healing that in, I haven't experienced instantaneously healing of, of everything ever. And I don't know anyone else that has, but like in our Zoom prayer rooms with Love Triumphs, women will say, how many times do I have to come back to God about this? And it's just as many times as you need to. Um, he's still there. But we have to remember that we have years of memories. We have pain in our own bodies. I mean, there's a lot to heal. There's a lot to heal for all of us, even if you haven't been sexually abused, right, or traumatized. Um, and if and if we've, it, 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 it's a process with Jesus, it's very beautiful. He heals everything we need for that moment. And for that moment, he, he took away that I was a bad, whore-like, uh, slut-like. I mean, that's what the enemy wanted me to believe, that that's who I was. Ugly, fat, stupid, you know, that, those were the lies I was believing. And, and he called me his princess. So in that moment, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And then, and then as I as I'm growing and I'm experiencing things and I'm in my marriage and I'm tired and I've got kids that are growing and they're becoming teenagers, I think that other memories come up and he was always right there for those. So I think, mm -hmm. I think he's always right there when we need him for what we need. And you know, he gives us our daily bread. We want it all instantly. Give me, you know, let me win the lottery and I will be happy. Right. And it's like, no, it's right. a, it's a daily walk and it's a journey and he is super faithful. So let's talk about trust mm -hmm. from a couple of different angles because there's there's two things I'd love for you to address. One is just even some of the challenges that there can be in trusting in a God who declares himself to be a father mm -hmm. and incarnated as a man. Yes. Are there some hurdles for not only maybe you, but just women who have been abused to even consider what it's like 
to trust in a God who identifies himself as a father and then came in Jesus as a male. Yes. Talk about that. Okay, well, first of all, I think it's the enemy's greatest strategy. For that reason, it's the enemy's greatest strategy to, um, to create this whole the circumstances of, of sexual abuse is so that we don't see him as a father. Second of all, I think that um, it is the desire of just about every woman's heart on the planet to be loved, to be adored by their dad, by a man. And, um, and so it is very hard to trust God if you're comparing God to a man, to, to many men on the planet. I mean, I'm married to a very good man, but he's not God. You know, there's no man that's God. And so the, right. the thing in our ministry, what, what we do is we, 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 we ask women to ask God, then show me how you're different. Show me how to trust you because it's not within them to do that. It's something God has to do in us. And one of the things that women often believe is that they have to earn his love because they didn't get dad's love and they didn't have their husband's love. And, um, and so there's a, there's a natural inclination that I have to love you so that you love me. But the reality is that he loves us first. And even just saying, God loved me first. He loved me first. And I need to know a God that loved me while I was being promiscuous and doing cocaine and smoking and, you know, going 180 degrees away from him. He still loved me. He loved my dad. I need to know that kind of love. So, yes, you can't trust a God that would be like your abuser, but you could trust a God that could totally change your life around. And that that's the God you want to pursue. Yeah. And now... Now talk about when, when there is that sense of maybe healing that comes from recognizing that God is not like any other, not only just not like any other man, but not like any other human. Right. Um, and, and once that starts to penetrate the heart and do some healing work there, can you talk about just the challenge that there may be then in trusting any men? Trusting a husband, trusting a father again. What does that look like in terms of human relationships for a woman who has been abused? How do you help navigate that road? Well, I'm going to get really radical and, and suggest that um, you just you keep going back to Jesus a hundred times a day. There's a song by John Thurlow called Fountains, and the whole song is about just keep coming back to me. So when you can't trust someone, I'm going to be radical and suggest that your best friend is Jesus. He is, he's right here. He's right next to you in the car. He's next to you in the kitchen. He's next to you in the shower. You know, he's not sexual. He is a beautiful God who came down to be man to save us. And you have to keep going back to him if it's a hundred times a day. If you can't trust a man, you need Jesus to trust him. If you can't trust a woman, if you can't trust yourself, if you hate your body, if you hate people, you need him. He is the only source that is going to help you love again. He's going to help you love yourself. He's going to help you love people. He's going to help you forgive people that were hurt. There's just, I mean, I went to so much counseling, but nobody could help me love. And so they could help me cope, but they couldn't help me love. And so he's he's the one that helps us love. And 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 I I, I recommend just say, hey, if this is real, show me. And if you are sincere and you genuinely are interested, if you call to him, he will answer you. Somehow, some way, you'll get an answer. 
he's that reliable. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, Marianne, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Um, before we share, or before you share where people can get the book and more about your ministry, just what final word of encouragement would you have for a woman out there who's maybe, she's grappling in a dark place or she's struggling with maybe having never talked to Jesus or talked to anybody about her past of abuse? What would you say to that woman out there? I would want, I, I, I encourage you to know this, that whether you were really wounded, whether you were violated, humiliated, whether you were violated and humiliated numerous times, maybe even over years, there's nothing that's going to change your stance before God. He absolutely adores you. If you in turn begin violating people, because that's what you knew, um, if you in turn hurt people, there's nothing that's going to change your stance before God. He absolutely adores you and he loves you. He gave men and women the, the ability to choose. And most of us have really taken advantage and have not understood the, the weight of our choices. And those choices have hurt us. We've hurt people and people have hurt us. That's why Jesus came. He came to save us from choices. And he came to rescue us from where we're at. So if you're struggling right now, take this, this time to call on the Jesus that swings with children the Jesus that rescues us from our woundedness and ask him to help you. And then I would love it if you would reach out to me at, at lovetriumphs.com and tell me how he's helping you. Um, and, and my book is on my website. My book is on Amazon. It's called Love Triumphs, Rescued from the, the, the Deep Wounds and the Dark Secrets of Childhood Sexual Abuse. I hope you get encouragement in the book. Um, but call him, call out to Jesus today, and he is going to respond. Amen. And we will definitely be sure to, to put the, the link to your site and to the book in the show notes. But Marianne, um, first of all, let me just thank you for um, having, the, having the courage to bring your story ultimately into the light. Um, and, and because I think a lot of people would maybe have a lot of fear around... Um, doing so. And I think the fact that you are open with your story is an indication that Jesus has healed you at a very deep level and that you are wanting to now use your story as a way to bring love to others who are needing to come out of their own darkness. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for being with us uh, today as well. Thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. It's been a great pleasure. God bless you. Yeah. Well, listeners, so um, go to the lovetriumphs.com website, and we'll have all of that in the show notes. But thanks for being with us today, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.